0: Hey everyone, I'm Kayara. And I'm Mariam. And on Wednesdays, we do podcasts. We're just a couple of gals getting together once a week. And we hope that you can join us. And better yet, tell a friend. Kiara. Hey, Marianne. Hey, everyone. Hey, guys. Welcome to Wednesday. Oh, I can't even believe we've rolled
1: around to another Wednesday. Shit. They're just coming closer and closer. The year goes really fast. Do you notice that as you've gotten older, the years just seem to fly by? I thought that <laughs> it was just an old person's thing. And now I, I'm, know.
0: I, I must be one of them because now I'm like, shit, I blinked and it was January and now it's March. And goodness wow. me. You
1: are getting older now. I mean, not at all older, like old, old. But for sure, once you start to gear up to your mid to late 20s. You do switch a gear, I think. Yeah. Once you hit 25. And everyone's
0: like, oh, this is the time of your life. I'm like, well, I am 26. <laughs> and if this is the time of my life, fuck me.
1: That's so good. <laughs> As usual, looking great. Love the hair. Love the
0: dress. Yeah. Thank you very much. And you're doled up today. Not in your tracky pants. No,
1: and- I haven't. Uh, my plan was work, then go to the gym, go home, then come here or in some sort of order like that. And I actually only just left work, which is the the equivalent of a normal person leaving work at maybe seven o'clock at night. So it's been a bit of a day, but that's okay because I'm driven and I actually like working same as you in some... Some days are better than others I think. <laughs> yeah, well work is what keeps you going isn't it? If you you work to live and live to work. Exactly. I think that's why it's important if one can to be in some in work that they find fulfilling and in work that you know, that they enjoy. Yeah, Which for is sure. hard.
0: Or, you know, back it up with something that fulfils you and that you enjoy. Oh, that's the other thing. Exactly. Yeah. A hobby or something you can do on the side of project. Yeah, absolutely. Because everybody's like, oh, I hate my job. And sometimes you just have to do shit jobs. You've got to make ends meet. I get that. But you have to also fill your life with something that makes you happy. Oh,
1: couldn't, couldn't say So that.
0: Wednesdays are keeping us alive at the moment, hey? Do you know what? <laughs> yeah. I said that at the start of the year. This is what
1: I wanted to do. And a big thank you. To you, because I remember thanking you like, thanks for doing this because it's, um it is just glorious to have something going on well outside um, of the normal world. I haven't
0: told you this yet, but why, what's a better time than live on air to tell you? So I had um, somebody ring me yesterday and um, they'll be listening to this, I'm sure, because they said that they've listened to every episode and they rang me and said, oh, you know, we haven't spoken in ages. They actually bought a car off of us, like, you know, and right. um. They said, oh, we haven't spoken in ages, but I've been listening to your podcasts and I just want to thank you girls for being so honest and open and talking about all of these things. Just some random person. And I was like, That's yeah, man, so this nice. is what this is all about, you yeah. know, and thanks to all the friends and the average people that have to listen because, you know, we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the friends that we force forced to listen to. <laughs> yeah. That is
1: really nice. And it's like I said last week, I feel like we're really forming this little community. Yes. And this place where people can, you know, speak freely and open up discussions and join in on the conversation. Yeah.
0: And I just froth on that. Good on you. So what's happening this week on the podcast, Mariam? So this week,
1: I wanted to talk about what drives you or well, We wanted to talk about that. I always find it fascinating when I meet somebody, what makes that person tick? Why are they the way they are? Because you meet people who are of all different walks of life, who are so different to you maybe and quite quickly I can often gauge whether or not I'm going to get along with someone and even that's fascinating it's like what is it about this person that I'm picking up on that we've got in a similar vibe or what is it about them that I'm picking up of a different vibe and it makes you think what is it that drives people what is it that they're about I'm always interested by that yeah so what like makes me me what Uh, makes you you yeah god from the beginning are you ready? Would you be willing to dive in? Should we do a little deep dive?
0: Sure. Fuck it. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a choice. I don't have a choice <laughs> because we're doing a podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Uh, what makes Kayara Kyra? It's 100% sass. No, it's not. So um, I was born in the Riverland and the Riverland is a sort of region of country South Australia, three hours from the nearest city of Adelaide. I was born here. Both of my parents you know, were obviously living here. They met at the Vines nightclub, represent. Is that still a thing? (laughs) It is not a thing. But (laughs) but the people of the Riverland will know how many relationships were made or broken there. And probably (laughs) lots of babies conceived from Nights at the Vines. From Nights at the Vines, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, mornings that you don't remember anyway. It was funny because only, you know, what, five, six years ago I worked at the Vines. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> where my parents? No met. way. Yeah, how classic is that? Classic. What goes around comes around. So yeah, I was um, born here, and my mum was a only daughter of an immigrant family from Italy. Uh, she has two brothers all still in the Riverland. So mum's family was like born and bred Riverland. Um, Dad's family travelled around. My dad's dad was an Anglican version of a priest, I guess you could say. Uh, Didn't diddle any kids from what I'm aware of. So that's a positive, unlike the the Catholic ones getting around at the moment. Um, Yeah. So he followed the church around as a a kid. He was one of six, Um, but I am an only child. So, and everyone's like, oh, of course she is. I can hear you all in the background. Oh, we here?
1: With the only child thing, was there, and I don't know, if this is personal, you can tell me to fuck off basically. But do you know if the plan was always to just have one or
0: was there a specific, sometimes it's intentional. Yeah. don't. It's a conversation that like mum and I have never sort of had. Oh, right. I, I don't know. Like mum, I know that they always wanted more children, but I don't know whether that was because she couldn't have any or, or that sort of thing. I, I know that she got very sick when she was pregnant with me. Um, and that sort of put her off. But, yeah, don't, don't know. It's not a conversation that mum and I have ever sort of had.
1: The only reason I ask is just because particularly with our parents' generation or oh, I just, you know, it's all about just having have kids, like plural, like lots. Whenever there's just one, I'm always curious.
0: Yeah. And you know, um, growing up, we always had like foster kids and and those sorts of things. Full Um, house. Yeah. Well, no, not full house, but yeah, every school holidays we'd have, you know, kids come and visit. And I don't know whether that was like my parents' way of involving more children in my life or um, just giving back to the community. I'm not sure. Yeah. So that's how that happened. But I think one of the really interesting points of like my Growing up was in, you know, Christmas and school holidays, we'd go visit my dad's side of the family up at Praifers in the Adelaide Hills. My grandpa had the church there up on the hill. So, anyone driving up the freeway listening to this, check out to the left there and you'll be able to see it up on the hill. So, we like grew up as I'm the eldest of 13 grandchildren. Wow. Yeah, on that particular side. And so, for example, I'm 26. And then interesting fact, there's one that's 25, 124, 123, 122, 121. <laughs> well, with 13. Yeah. all Fair like, enough. 13 years, one at every age below me. So, um, yeah, we would hang out there. And it's so interesting because I look back on it and I'm just like, although my grandfather was a man of religion, I never felt it. I never felt it. And I don't know whether that's just because of the type of people that he were or knew that I was never going to be interested in it or when you say you
1: never felt it do you mean you never vibed with it like or do you mean you never really no i never felt connected the, no i never felt the pressure
0: ah okay okay, you know, okay cool and and everybody listening that you know is of some sort of religion or whatever um kudos to you cuz it takes quite a lot of effort um but yeah like you know every sunday every Easter, every Christmas, it would be, that was what it was all about. We might have done, you know, a quick prayer. I'd always sit there in silence or whatever, but it's so funny from such a young age, nobody was ever like, you must do this. You mm-hmm. must, you know, it was always a free will, which I really appreciate. Went to a Catholic primary school, Um, went to Loxton High School, which is where, you know, primary school is where a lot of my friends are still from. So I got to keep a lot of my friends from primary school. We carried through all the way through high school, battled some really tough stuff as girls do in high school. Did you? Yeah. High school is shit. I mean, it's also the best time of your life. You have to sort of like Mm. work out, okay, is this the best time of my life or the worst time or both all at once? And I think high school really shaped me as a person. Wow. Yeah, I think it really did. You know, I formed some really strong friendships, which I'm... Super grateful for, and it's also like where I met my partner, high school sweetheart. Yeah, which you know that term makes me absolutely gag, like ugh, disgusting. But um, somebody shared this thing on Facebook the other day that was like truths about people who are still with their high school sweethearts. And anyone that knows me knows that I am not like a emotional person. But I read it and I legitimately teared up. <gasps> like, oh, I have to, I have to read it to you. So it was this lady who wrote it. She met her husband when she was 14. And I was just like, oh, that's how old I was. (laughs) And um, everything just screamed true. And it said something about being in high school, you know, you get to grow up together, you know, so not only do you go through all of the really good stuff, you go through all of the really bad stuff and all the rumors and all of the, you know, friendship breakdowns and all of that stuff, but you do it together and you get to build your values together instead of bringing values to the table that might not have the same outcome you know when you're an adult and you meet someone and you've already got all of these ideas of what love's supposed to be right yeah that's beautiful way to that's a beautiful way to look at it too yeah so in one sense I'm really really lucky you know so many people told me like oh no no leave that you have to go experience other things you have to grow as a person but I think I made the right decision to grow together that's so nice and really you 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 don't have to go and do that. It's whatever
1: happens for you, and in your case, it's worked out beautifully. Yeah, that is so. So you're the Jason and Kelly. Who's Jason and Kelly? Jason and Kelly were this couple that got together when we were all in school, and they were honestly just perfection. And they're married to this day. I think they've got two kids. Yeah, cute. Heaven. And everyone's always like, "Oh, the Jason and Kelly," and they are just (laughs) the most lovely people I've known. Jason since we were primary school together. Well, I mean, I don't know them personally now, but I know through Facebook and things that they're still together and we're yeah. happy and that. But yeah, that's what oh, And as, we, as nice. we
0: know, if they're happy on Facebook, it must be true. Well, it must be. <laughs> <laughs> Jason and Kelly, if you're listening, <laughs> oh God. hit us up. Are you actually happy? <laughs> I
1: can't. I can't ever let the Jason and Kelly fantasy, like, not be real for me. I hold on to hope through those
0: two. I'm like that with Channing Tatum and his... Oh, now they've broken up.
1: I know, and Jenna,
0: and Jenna doing the, you know, gorgeous dancer. I'm like, no, you were my forever, people.
1: I get very emotionally attached and invested to my celebrity couples yeah. too. And let me tell you, that was nearly a day off for me. Yeah. I remember I had to report on it at work and I couldn't cope.
0: Yeah. I didn't understand. I was Love devastated. I know. And maybe that's the thing. You know, my parents aren't together anymore. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. My parents separated, I don't know, five years ago or something. And they came to like, you know, my partner and I's house and went, oh, you know, they started getting upset. They're like, oh, we just want to let you know. We've like given it a real shot. And, um, you know, we're going our separate ways. I was like, cool. Are you happy? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, like, does this decision make you happier? Well, we think so. I said, well, good on you. Off you go. Okay. If you're not happy get the fuck out. You're wasting each other's time. I agree. 1000%.
1: Yeah. So tell me about your parents and yours relationship growing up. Were they
0: strict? Were they loosey goose? Were they fun? What was it like? I don't know. My parents were so busy, I guess. But yeah, I I, I wouldn't consider them strict. You know, I got to go to the parties. I got to Mm -hmm. live, I guess, you know, I wouldn't consider them strict. They certainly weren't loosey goosey either. You know, they had values and, and I was brought up there were, there were boundaries. There were clear boundaries. boundaries, yeah, yeah. Very clear boundaries that every now and again I would cross, you know, as a good teenager has to. Yeah, but it's tradition. Yeah, it's tradition. But, no, I think that there was uh, there were a happy medium there. You know, there, there's lessons that I've learned from them that I'd certainly carry on if I did have kids. There's fucking lessons that I've learned that I wouldn't too. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah, like of there's, course. There's, especially when it comes to relationships and stuff like that, there's lots of things that I'm like, no, I actively try to not do those things, mm-hmm. you know? Who,
1: are you, who were you closer to growing up with, mum or dad? Dad.
0: Dad. Daddy's girl. Yeah, mum and I are the exact same person. Oh, so because you're the same, you clash? Yeah, sorry if you're listening to this, mum. <laughs> she knows that. I'll tell her to her face. No, it's really tough. And still to this day, it's really tough when two very independent, strong willed, outspoken women get together. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Oh, anyone outspoken, strong. Yeah, but, you know, it's harder when you relate to them because you legitimately don't have to hold back. Like, you made me. You will listen. Wow. (laughs) That's so true. Yeah, do you think if your mum was still around, you know, you would have that sort of relationship or are you sort of... 1,000%. We're
1: very close family. Uh, My mum was one of my best friends and I think she probably was since I was six. So mum originally, her career started off in TV and radio and then she moved into she sort of wanted to do the journalism thing that's kind of all tied in with the tv and radio but she moved into child psychology and so it was like growing up with a live-in psychologist Ugh. well maybe <laughs> maybe uh, to some people but <laughs> for me i think it also it does explain my very high emotional intelligence yeah. because i kind of grew up always in this constant therapy session but even if things were hitting the fan, no matter how weird or gross or whatever was going on in life, I could—I always felt there was a safe place to speak to my mum about it. Now, that's not to say we didn't disagree on a lot of things and and certainly when I became an adult, mum and I are very different. So I've got to be clear, she is the conservative, she was the private school girl, she's very proper and I'm a little bit more rogue and uh, uncouth and I swear too much and I drink too much and um, my boobs are out all the time and I would often offend her just from being myself but she still loved me and was proud of me but we would clash about a lot of things yeah. like that and one time she didn't mean it to sound mean. I said to her, I bet if we were the same age and we met when we were young, like in high school, we would not be friends and she went, oh, I, would not, we, I wouldn't have come near you, wouldn't have been your friend and I was like and my brother heard this and I've always had this thing growing up that Roman was the favourite that's my younger brother and he is the favourite and uh, he always said no you're being silly but when he heard that he went "Mom, how could you say that to her that you wouldn't be her friend if you were the same age she said well no once I got to know her I knew we'd get on but at face value we're very different so yeah there's that but I think long-winded way of answering your question if my mum was still here, yeah, we'd be, I wish she was, of course I do, because life would actually be just so much better. You know, mum passed away three years ago now, which is wild because it feels like it just happened and it happened really suddenly and I feel like actually, yeah, it just the three-year anniversary we've just crossed over and it, it's the kind of thing where even when things are really good or I'm enjoying a moment in life, there's always, even if you don't consciously think about it, at the back of your mind it feels a little bit shit because yeah. she's not there.
0: Uh, When we were sort of talking about what we're going to do today, uh, it like brought me to all of these things because one of the questions is like, what do you believe in? Yes. Do you have like a deeper understanding of
1: or hope of where mum is now? I am really clear cut about this and now I know there are people that listen to the podcast who are very religious and I have friends that are religious who know where I stand on this and now you, the listener, will get to know I am a very strong atheist I don't believe in God. I don't believe in any religion. I think that you live and then you die. And I don't really think, as nice as it would be to have a little soul that lives on and flutters around and there's an afterlife, I I personally just don't believe that. I think when you die, you die and your life's over and that that thought shouldn't actually disturb you. It should really motivate you, and it's what certainly motivates me. You go around once, time is precious, and make the most of it because who cares? Yeah. You're going to be dead know, anyway. It...
0: <laughs> Do you know, one person said to me, people tell me all the time, like, "Kara, you're going to hell, and I'm just like, yeah, cool. I like the warm weather. Um, <laughs> you know, I'll book a bus. Me and all my mates can go together. I find it. it's, it's a really hard fact for some people to deal with you know Oh of course And I often wonder if that's why people find religion is because you know the 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 biggest part of um, definitely Catholicism is that you know you go to heaven mm. And I'm like okay but what if you don't believe in heaven I'm still a good person do I still get to go Well no but I wonder if that's why people find religion because they're scared I have, of what happens later I have a really like first row front seat
1: study on this that I've done because my mum was a born again Christian and I um, was a Christian at one point so just to quickly rewind though and recap okay my parents grew up in the Seychelles which is a country off the northeast coast of Africa in the middle of the Indian Oceans. Google it that's all I can say. It's a tiny little place you most people have never heard of. Are they grass skirts? No grass skirts. No grass skirts. French settled there. Anyway the Seychelles. They grew up in a strict Catholic upbringing, super, super strict, lot of
0: guilt. M- many of those sort of um, places where the uh, religions came and settled on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they grew up strict Catholic. So their whole thing when they,
1: you know, left home and grew up and became their own adults in their 20s was there is no God. So we actually grew up in our home, our household as atheists. Then when I was uh, about 16, 17 I went through some tough times as a teenager and my dad's younger brother and his family were born again Christians and we were visiting them up at the Sunshine Coast and they're like, we're having a church tonight, come. Long story short, I went and so that was the beginning of, I guess, my family then becoming a part of the church. And my... My family, being my mum, my my brother, my sister, and myself, my dad didn't want anything to do with it. And and not long after that, my parents split up. But they were on the road to that anyway. That's a story for later.
0: God didn't fuck that relationship up. Yeah, no, exactly.
1: (laughs) Um, But then what happened is that was a pure case of. I mean, I'm talking. I was at a really bad point, nearly about to go to hospital as a young, like a teen things were not the best with my mental health. And just in general, as a family, a lot had gone on and it was a dark time in our lives. And certainly being a part of a community and finding some sort of hope and learning about God and religion or the Christian faith gave us something to live for, you know? And- it was an interesting time of my life because now I look back and it's the weirdest thing that's ever happened and I, I have friends still from that time, some who are still in the church, some who have left and we always reflect on like what a wacky time. I joined the church band. I was, you know, singing in the worship group or whatever they call it now, I can't even remember. Um, you know, my brother became a youth leader and everything was really, it, church became our life and it's a big part of why I got married so young. Because that's what you do in the church community. You get married really young. Anyway, Because you couldn't have sex before
0: you get married? Because you're not
1: meant to have sex before you get married. So there's this whole thing. I don't know if anyone's familiar with the AOG scene, the Assembly of God, Born Again Christian thing. It, I don't want to offend anybody here by what I'm about to say, but just as someone who's experienced it, it, it is a bit culty. Mm. Um, and, and it's interesting because that's the perspective that all our family had. Like, you guys have joined a cult, and I, I know... Of people who are gonna go, I can't believe you just said that, so offensive. Sorry, don't mean to be. I've done it, I've lived it for like years. Anyway, I left when my husband and I, that experience with my ex was what really taught me that I can't be a part of this world anymore. Too much bad things are going on behind the scene and it's all just bullshit, basically. And I reached a point where I realized heavily, no matter how many times I prayed or read the Bible, I just truly didn't believe in God and I never experienced any miracle or any kind of feeling in myself and I just didn't really think that it was true. And one day my brother and I went for a walk and by now I've, you know, left my ex-husband, my brother and I, I'm probably 22 now, 23, my brother's 21, we go for a walk and for dinner and we're very close and uh, I say, hey, I've got to be honest with you about something, I actually don't believe any of this stuff that I've seemingly believed in for the last seven
0: years and he said, neither do I. And we were both free and we never went back. How did the relationship breakdown go, considering you are a part of the church? How was the divorce perceived? At the time, because of things that were going on, no one blamed me for walking okay. away.
1: Actually, my pastor at the time, the pastor of the church, was just a legend. The guy who married us, absolute legend. And I was very close with he and his wife and their, their young kids. And he, um, people just couldn't really believe what was happening. Yeah. And they... At one point, the pastor said to me, not one person would blame you for walking away. By that point, though, I'd really thought I had a moment. It was my 21st birthday. I always tell this story because it doesn't always happen for people. But for me, there was an exact moment that I knew and a change happened in me. It was my 21st birthday and uh, everything was getting set up at my friend's parents' property where I was having a, my birthday party under the marquee. And I remember standing there looking around, everyone setting up. Husband wasn't there. He was somewhere at the time, wasn't there helping up. People were like, where is he? He should be helping. And I looked around and I was just thinking about everything in my life. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm 21. Like, that's so young. I am 21 years of age and this is what my life is and what my life is supposed to be for the rest of my life no, thanks. You don't have a gun to my head. No one can keep me here. And from there, that was my moment of change and never, ever looking back. Don't do controlling relationships. I don't do anything making me unhappy. And that kind of was the beginning of, I suppose, what always drove me and also made me really scared of men and relationships for a long time. And I stayed single for a very long time. But also after that, I think it was then mum's death that further propelled me in that whole like, We get one shot, life's too short. You've really got to really do what makes you happy because it's really, time's very precious and you're precious. Your life matters and you don't want to waste it being mistreated or feeling unsafe or or feeling unhappy.
0: Yeah, I find religion such an interesting beast. Like I've, if I could, I would study religion. Like, you Mm. know, Scientology and, and, uh, and, you know, all of these different religions who all look at this book, you know, most of them the same fucking book and take all of these different things out of, you know, like a book that was written thousands and thousands of years ago, supposedly that says, this is the way we have to live now in 2019. It's just like the rules change, laws change, things change, but you won't. It's just like a religion starts as this really welcoming, inclusive place and then ends up being an exclusive exile place where they cut everything out and stop welcoming things in like change and people. And, and you know, it does, it can bring people together. And I think that's the fantastic part of it, the community and, and those mm. sorts of things. But you can build that in a lot of ways, you know. If this is a community. I often wonder, like, in 2000 years, will Harry Potter be a religion? And I don't choke about that. <laughs> you know, like, it is funny. The idea of it's funny, right? It's funny, but it's, it's it's sick. It's actually like wow. You're not even wrong though. It could I'm be I'm not wrong. Like you look back on you look back in 2000 years in 4019, you know, and go, "Oh shit, you know, I could really I'm a Slytherin and that's a that's a particular religion and and you know, it's just it blows my mind to think that well-educated people can get caught up in it. But, you know what? Oh. If that's what drives you, if that's what drives you, you do you. But don't fucking ask don't drag me into it. Can I tell you you've just said something there
1: And this is one of these moments where I wish mum was here and we could talk about it because this is the sort of thing I used to say to her. My mum had degrees. She's travelled the world as a journalist. She's done these amazing things and she always was so rational and educated and we would end up at blows sometimes about the church and I'd be like, do you do this is nuts but I've reached a point where I was like if it's making you happy I'm gonna leave you be and then one day she was having a go at me about something and I remember I was in the kitchen and I was like do you know I honestly look at you and I would not change one thing about you I don't agree with religion I don't agree with your church and I'm I think it makes me uncomfortable but I would never ever want to take that from you because it makes you you and you happy Yep. I am just really against any organisation that wants to, or institution that is about control and particularly guilt and shame. So
0: while we're talking about guilt, shame and control and cults, Let's just throw in their gyms. I was going to say, you know what that sounds like? (laughs) You know what that sounds like to me? Gym culture. That sounds like gym culture. Mm. You know, and we have segued here hardcore. It's good though. We need to go. We need to go here. you know, like I love the idea of the community that gyms, you know, and especially these new world gyms that are coming up. I'm talking like your F45s, you know, your CrossFit, stuff like that. Places that build culture and community, etc., and then start inclusive like a good religion does and invites you in and tells you you're doing all of these great things and then starts excluding things like food and fun and time with your family and things that make you happy because you have to spend more time at the gym with that gym community that you built.
1: Mm-hmm. And you can
0: only be friends with people at the gym and you have to go to the gym seven mm-hmm. days a week. And it's like if you miss church, it's like when you miss yeah. church in the past To the next
1: week's like, where were you? If you miss training or you miss, or you've just not gone to the gym for a few days, well, where, where have you been?
0: Yeah. And I know that it sounds so silly. You're sitting in your car and you're going, gym and religion are not the same thing. And I'm not suggesting that they are, but I'm suggesting that there are some very parallel parts of it. And
1: there are because I'll tell you, my little uh, subculture world that I was a part of before moving to the Riverland was the yoga world. I found my jam there because I genuinely loved what it did for my mental health and for my my physical fitness. But uh, it always humoured me to go to yoga. And I always had to almost protect myself from the diehard yogis. Because if you want to talk about a real religion, gym culture or cult thing it's that's what it is there's a certain language that's spoken there's a certain level of expectations of how you live your life and in a lot of ways it's positive and like you said it starts off super duper inclusive and beautiful especially the yogis and then as you get in there <laughs> yeah oh my goodness yeah you, you just have to protect yourself
0: yeah and I think that extreme versions of anything very dangerous. You know, like addictive tendencies are dangerous. And I'm not talking just yoga and, uh, you know, a small amount of belief in any sort of belief system. I'm talking about drugs, alcohol, smoking, gaming. You know, that's a huge thing. Oh, massive. That's a community of its own. Mm -hmm. You know, it is really scary when anything gets taken to the extreme. And it's all of these things, uh, you know, religion, gyms, that start and end friendships, that begin and end wars. Like, and I'm talking extremes here, of course, but, you know, the amount of times that you start going to a new gym or or, uh, start a new sport, for example, and you have all of these friends... And then you realise that you're only friends with them because of the sport or because of the church that you attend. They don't necessarily like you as a person. The only thing that keeps you together is the community. And sometimes, yes, you build true friendships. I'm not talking about this as a a rule. Yes, I know what you mean. Uh, You know, but sometimes you build true friendships. But if you think about it, you know, that gym that you attend, and this is not the ones where you just go on a treadmill. I'm talking about the other gyms. Those gyms that you attend and you group classes, next time somebody asks where were you last night? You ask them, is that because you care or is it because you're wondering why I wasn't here? You know, because if they genuinely care where you were and they were maybe worried about you, something like that, but if it's because you decided to stay home and watch Married at First Sight instead of going to the gym, then it's just like, what's the problem with watching Married at First Sight instead of going to the gym? I am not devoted to this place. Mm -hmm.
1: I agree with you there. I'm really mindful of anything that's, as you said, extremes and that demonises things that should be normal. Yeah. And that goes across a lot of different areas. It's certainly not the gym, but, you know, when I hear certain people talk about very normal everyday things, even if, like, for example, food, like, it's food. Don't demonise food. Your life's too precious for that. You're going to be be guilty your whole life. It's wild. Don't do that.
0: I know, it blows my mind. Um, you know, while we're talking about uh, things that we do and don't believe in, what's uh, what's something that you live by, Mariam? <coughs> what's something that, you know, you might do on a daily basis or something that starts and finishes yeah. your day? Something like that. So meditation's a big one for me and I know that when
1: I don't do it, I notice it. And look, when I say meditation, it's not some big extravagant thing where you pull out the mat and you light candles and it's hum and you're listening to music. It can be that if you want and sometimes I get into it and I if I have time, but sometimes it's just literally that far five minutes I need of peace and silence to gather my thoughts for the day. Time on my own is paramount. I can't function if I don't get some quality time by myself. I am super introverted that way. That's where I get my energy. And when I, my work requires me to give, my work requires me to give a lot out. And in general, being around people, as much as I enjoy it most of the time, it exhausts me and I'm left feeling exhausted after most interactions. So it's paramount for me to spend time To spend time on my own. Yeah.
0: That's
1: probably something that I do in terms of that's not necessarily something I live by, but it's something that I would do on a daily
0: that is part of my routine. That's part of what I need to do to function. You know, last time I went, and I think I told you about the doctor's appointment that I had in the first episode. I went to the doctor's and I was like, you know, I'm just feeling not me And, Mm. and I couldn't put my finger on it. She's like, you know what you need to do, girlfriend? You need to meditate. And the first thing I said to her was like, I ain't getting stuck in my thoughts. (laughs) Oh, wow. Like, I was just like, no. Like, what if something bad happens? Like, what if I think of something that I hadn't thought of? And then I like spiraled a bit for it. And I was like, what's the worst thing that can happen? So I downloaded this app and it was like teaching me to meditate because one thing that I've never sort of done is just sit down because I didn't realize that meditation was not thinking. I thought it was just like sitting there and being in silence and letting your thoughts go. But actually what it is, is letting your thoughts come in and letting them go. Like letting them come in, thinking about it and letting it go. I personally hate meditation, but good on you. It's not for me. I think that it's just about what
1: works for you. And if I think for anybody, once you know what your emotional triggers are in life or whatever gets you Angry, whatever gets you sad, whatever makes you happy. It's kind of going back a couple episodes where I talked about that list, that checklist. When you take the time to work out what works for you, do what works for you. Yeah. Oh, do you know, and
0: what would something be for yourself that you live by or what gets you through your week to week? What's driving you? Um, I don't know what drives me. I guess the next challenge and the next everything is, is what drives me. But something that I find I cope with things with is, um, is the water. Like I always find that what saves me from stress and, um, you know, anger and all of these other emotions that I cope rather well with is the water. And you know, here we're, we're lucky we've got the river, but a lot of people say that salt therapy is a thing. It's a total thing. Yeah, it's a total thing. Um, salt makes me really itchy. And I hate the beach mentioned in last week's episode. Yes, I know. I remember. But you know, like my partner and I for Christmas, we got a spa because every night we go and sit in it. And I'll do that by myself. Like I go in and I sit in it and I can sit in there in silence for 20 minutes, not meditating, not thinking about anything, but just sitting in it and letting all of the emotions wash away in the water. Isn't that beautiful? It sounds really romantic, doesn't it? When it I does. put it that way, but that's just the one thing that I do. And you know, you might wake up every morning and have a cup of tea with lemon in it to get your metabolism going good on you. Like if that's...
1: Everyone's if- got their thing. You know, you that's one thing we don't have a lot of... We have a lot. We actually have quite a lot more in common than we realized. Than not. And <laughs> then we realize. But the water thing is a big one for me too. So as I've also said, I just grew up by the beach and always going to the beach. And where I lived before I lived here was right near the beach. And a big thing I did most mornings, even before work, was the sunrise at the beach. Not always swimming necessarily, just more the walk up and down, trying to clear the thoughts, that kind of thing. But being near that energy of the water is everything. And I'm really lucky where I live here, it's Way in the distance, but from, the my water's ki- there. from my kitchen, I can see the river. And so it just, what it does for me, just to be, even be able to see it, I'm like, water. What is a real thing. It's a
0: real thing. And you know, your body's made up of like, I don't know what the actual figures are, but like 80% water. It's mainly water. And you have to realize like, you know, when, when the moon pulls seas and oceans for miles, when the tides come in and out, like you have to understand that that must have some sort of effect on something that's made of 80% water. Like that's, it's huge. So if you ask if I have any sort of beliefs, I guess I am a bit of a spiritual in the sense that I do believe that maybe like the moon and and that sort of stuff has an impact on our moods yeah I do believe in a little bit of star sign stuff like I'm a Capricorn mm. like I'm me too yeah <laughs> do we already know this no I don't know I don't even know when your birthday is when's your birthday 28th of December when's oh. yours Jan 6th and my partner's We're Jan kept. 8th no, yeah, and you know, two two Capricorns aren't supposed to work, which I find really interesting because you're supposed to butt heads. Capricorns are the goats, and do you know what I find wild about that? Any Capricorn I've met, house on fire, you get along yeah. with like a house on fire, always. Yeah, but that's I mean, from funny. from like a relationship point of view, like oh. a, like a loving one, like oh my gosh, sorry, I'm know I'm thinking of yeah. you and me, like we're the best. Yeah, but yeah you and your partner. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, you know what? You're right. It's oh. not supposed to work. No. But anyway, maybe it's maybe we were born at the wrong, you know what I mean? Maybe I was supposed <laughs> to be born later. I, I'm pretty sure I was. Mum, can you report in if I was supposed to be born in January, please? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was a bit early. Anyway, I believe in that, I guess. Um, I don't mind a bit of the idea that um, there's not spirits. I'm not saying that there's spirits. But I think that maybe spirits loom on in the way of memories. You know, maybe something like that. I do believe in deja vu because... That shit happens to me all the yeah, time. Yeah, something's up with the deja vu, I
1: agree. Yeah. Weird, unexplained shit with yeah. deja vu. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, but on a whole, I find religion hard to swallow as a educated person. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. I find it very hard to swallow. I understand why people find it, but totally. I I find that religion finds people in two ways. One, because of family, and you're either brought into up, it, into yep. it. Yeah, like you're born into religion. Yeah. Or it finds you when you're. I'm going to change my words here. It finds you when you need it, or when you're weak, yeah. and then builds you up in strength that you feel like maybe it can't. You can't leave. Yeah. And that's not because they say you can't leave. I'm not suggesting that this is a Scientologist cult. <laughs> <laughs> Although, if you are in one, please contact me because I find it very, very interesting. <laughs> um, I find it really interesting how people could believe that that like Scientology is based on aliens, like mm. it's unreal, and that you purchase your levels. Like there's multiple levels, and the highest level you buy, it's such a sorry, it's such a like it's, tax scan. Like, it's a tax scam. Like it's a tax scam, which you know is also very interesting as to why there's all of these celebs, etc. In it, And it's just you're taking away from people that have true beliefs. You know, the oldest religion. Religions on the planet, like Hinduism and, and and all of that, it's all built on love and all of this really interesting, deeper stuff and not money. Mm. And, you know, as soon as something's commoditized or, you oh, know, yeah. incentivized with money and, and, you know, the church we all know has the most money in the world. Exactly. Like, I did not know this. Did you know that I'm pretty sure it's sanitarium? I know what you're about to say, I think. Is owned by the church? Yeah, it is sanitarium um, and it's owned by the
1: Seventh Day Adventist. Yeah, is that moments? Don't know, but it's sanitarium. Yeah,
0: so uh, this is terrible. I stopped buying Wheat Beer. Really? Yeah. Delicious. Fuck them. If I wanted to donate money, I'd come in on a Sunday and drop some money in, like a I know in a the, velvet the whole ten percent of your wages. And didn't know that. But yeah, Did, oh. I didn't know that until a couple of months ago, which I was doing an a loan application for a church, and um, and I was looking because you know I work in finance and I had to get through their financial statements, and I saw this thing called tithers, like tithings, right? Yeah. Great tithings we bring for you and your king. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tithes, yeah. Yeah. So tithers is the ten percent thing. And I was just like, I'm sorry. I like I don't even leave myself ten percent of income every <laughs> No, you're meant to save ten percent. But look,
1: that is a big thing. And I remember church on Sundays, even working my little high school job at Target. Everyone looking looks at you. When the, the bags every service, the ushers come around with the little bags and they get handed down the, the row. And so do you know I can't I'm gonna give admit to something. <laughs> Did you take money? No, I never oh. took money, but I would pretend to put money
0: in. And it is not. Isn't that sad? Because it's
1: everyone's a- like, if you, because it was almost like I'd rather pretend and live with my own little issues with that than, than actually not put any money in at all and have the shame. And the truth was, I just didn't have the money to put in nor understand why my hard-earned money had to go to this place. They seemed like looking at the venue. They They were doing just fine. Yeah, pastor in his nice suits, his wife that doesn't work a job. I think you
0: guys are okay. Yeah, and, you know, like I said, I I grew up in a family, you know. My grandparents lived in a church-supplied home, which, you know, I have some of the fondest childhood memories in. Like, I'm so grateful to the church in that sense that I had the school holidays there up in the Adelaide Hills. But, you know, it was like something like a, a six bedroom house like it was just unreal like it blows my mind to think that some people you know like you and your family that may have not had the money to give 10% would put themselves out so that some people could live so that people could live better than them. And that is what I find really hard. Like, if you, don't, if you don't put yourself first, who is going to? Like, you have to put yourself first. You have to, you have to look after yourself first because nobody else is going to. Mm. Have you had any significant life events that have helped mould who you are today? Significant life events. I think I've told you this like multiple times. Like I Mm. find myself so boring. (laughs) Like you've got to go through so much stuff which shapes (laughs) you as a person and I was just like built in this mould. I don't know. Everyone would say, Claire, you've been through some shit. I don't know what. Like I genuinely don't know what made Mm. me be like the glorious, delightful human being that I am now. And you know
1: why I think people would think you have is, you know, they say there's that saying that sort of fucked up people are the best kind of people because they've just been through a lot and they understand. I'm not saying you come across fucked up at all but you do come across as someone that knows a lot and that has a lot a very broad perspective on things that I in my mind would have imagined you to be someone that's lived in lots of different places gone through lots of
0: different life experiences and yeah. when you said to me I haven't really gone through anything I was like you've had to have had a crisis yeah I know and like I'm isn't it a sad world that I'm like I want a crisis like I, no. like, <laughs> I want to prove to you that I deserve to be the person that I am but no like <clears throat> I do feel like I'm sort of like an old soul I don't know you know in sales they say the most important important thing of communication is listening. And that's all I do. Like I listen to people and, and maybe like I steal some of their life events. Maybe maybe I'm like a succubus of experience. Yes. And you know, there is something
1: to be said for someone
0: that's had a happy
1: upbringing and a stable upbringing, because that, that does make somebody strong. There that, that can sometimes be, I think, a misconception that, well, if you toughen the kids up and they get a bit of abuse, then they learn to toughen up in life and they'll end up being... When really, if something is loved and nurtured and brought up well, and it has a peaceful existence, there's a lot of strength that comes with that, I promise you.
0: Absolutely. And you can't tell me that, you know, you would have been any worse of a person if your crisis didn't happen to you. It's just like, I don't know. I feel like this was the path that I was always assigned for. Like I was going to be this person, whether I was treated shit or I was lucky enough to be in a loving environment. I don't know. I, I also wonder if maybe I have had crises, but haven't realised because I've been sheltered from them or maybe like you know all of these things happen in the background but my parents being the good people that they are just didn't let me see it I don't I don't know but I don't know mystery a mystery reporting. <laughs> I don't know if, you know, I don't even know if my parents listen. I'll leave this, you know, like if you do listen, let me know because I sort of hope that you don't because we spill some shit on here that I probably don't want you guys to hear.
1: Yeah, mum and dad, it's yeah. like, don't listen. Fuck off. <laughs> I Get send off my dad podcast. Links. I did send dad the links and I know he's, he's never, he's never going to listen and
0: that's fine. Would you say you're close with your parents? I don't know. We could always be closer. You know, okay. like I, I know how much they've done for me. In the past. And I know how selfish I can be sometimes when I'm too busy for them, but I feel like they'd be proud because I'm so independent. I don't know. Like, yes, we could be closer, but that would be dependence that I just don't want to have on anyone. Mm. So I'm always just like, no, I don't need that. I don't. And when I ask for help, I always get it because I never ask for it. Oh, so, right. you know, like it's very rare that I'm like, I need your help with this. You know, it, I remember like a year ago calling mum and going mum like I'm really I'm really not well like I'm sick and she's just like yeah no worries I'll do some grocery shopping and bring you around some soup because she'd know that I'd never ever ask for it if I didn't really need it but whereas you know like I know so many of my friends that will just call their mum if they've got a cold or something and you know oh can you wire me some money oh can you do this can you do that I'm like no that's that's not me so I don't know I could be closer with my parents but I think that they have made me the indeper- independent person that I am so that I don't need them. Are you mates? Yeah. Oh, well, that's great. Yeah, but not to the point where we, like, text all the time or... Go to the pub. No, no.
1: Nah. Dad's a drinking buddy of mine. Dad and I are very similar, and it's funny, this goes into the whole conservative thing. Whilst I was very close with my mum growing up, and I am definitely a girl's girl, and, you know, mum and I, yes, we had fights or whatever, but we'd fawn all over each other. Personality-wise, I'm very much like my dad, and... I almost wonder sometimes if that's why mum and I clashed because they split up. They got their divorce like 15 years ago. I remember once ringing my mum at about 4am and I was really hungover and I couldn't stop throwing up and I told her that I was dying and she needed to take me to the hospital and she said, no, just keep throwing up and let me know how you go in the morning. (laughs) I'm not driving down there to take you to the hospital and I was like, you are not a mother if you're not going to do this for me and that's fine. And that she didn't, and no, nor, nor should she have. But I know mums who would have probably run. Molly coddled. I'm glad with my parents for sure, as close as we are, there's never been Molly coddling. Like when I wanted to move away and live in Sydney, mum was a real driver of that. She's like, go, go live your life. Go do yeah. something with your life. Yeah. They've never really been. You know, some parents are clingy. Yeah. They need to always oh. have their kids there and be interfering, even if their kids are
0: 30. Yep, absolutely. And... There's friends of mine that are like, oh, yeah, I have to run it past mum and dad. It's like, no, you don't, Oh Why? You know what? The best thing that you can do is prove them wrong. You know what I mean? You can you can tell them what you're doing, get their opinion, and then disregard it and do whatever you want to because, you know what I mean? Like, the best thing that you can do is prove them wrong. Yeah. Sometimes you fall on your face and you have to go crawling back. The last thing that I will ever do is move back in with my parents. Oh, really? No, nah, couldn't do it. It's interesting because my mum told me, you know, while I was still living with them, like, oh, the house is always dirty because you, oh, you're a pig. Oh, you don't clean (laughs) anything up. No, no, no. I can't wait till you move out. You eat all the food in the house, blah, blah, blah. You know, all of that shit that anybody that still lives with their parents will say that their parents say. You don't help out around the house. And I look now, you know, I've lived out of home for, I think it's six years, you know, I've been living um, in our own place. And I look at it now, I'm like, well, I keep a pretty tidy home. You know, my washing's always done. Was I the messy one? Was it my fault mum? No. It, maybe it wasn't. Maybe you were the untidy person or maybe because there was a family living in a home, it wasn't well kept. Of course, a house without people in it yeah. is going to be tidy. Congratulations. You're now, you know, lonely because I'm not there. Well done. And it's the
1: mum thing to do because mum used to always do that as well. But then if I'd go home to visit, Guy moved out when I was really young as well, like 18. And so when I'd go and visit or stay for a weekend or just go hang out with mum, it's like as soon as I'm there, it's, dude, what do you need ironed? What do you need washed? I've made you a smoothie.
0: Everything's done. But then it's like when I was living here and you did everything, you're like, I have to do everything for you. I didn't ask you to make me a smoothie. No, my mum is not like that. I remember we went there for dinner, like, gosh, it would have been a little while ago. We always had this rule in the house, that it was like, if you cooked, then you didn't have to do the washing up. Like, so if you didn't cook... Then you had to do the washing up. And we went there, uh, like my partner and I went there for dinner on like a Tuesday night or something. Mum cooked and, or mum's partner cooked, and we were sitting there after the table and I just sat at the table like a guest does, and she's like, oh, well, you, you're you washing up. And I'm just like, I'm a fucking guest here. You wash up. No. <laughs> like, I wouldn't make you wash up at my house. Yeah, Fuck exactly. off. Like, guests get weighted on hand and foot, you hand know, and foot. unless you're there all the time. You know who you are. Pull your weight. <laughs> You know, like it's it's so interesting. I really feel like nurture versus nature. Like I really feel the way you're brought up and, and your surroundings really do make you who you are. It's funny. I was talking to somebody the other day about cancer, the big C, and how they say that it's in your DNA. Like a lot of people have the cancer gene or, you know, mum had cancer, so I'll get cancer or, you know, something like that. Yeah. And I just want to spin it on its head and go, well, is that because your mum's your mum or is it because you lived in the same environment under the same, Roof, eating the same food, doing the same things. If your mum wasn't your mum, but was your stepmum and you grew up with her, but she had breast cancer, I think that there's a bloody high chance that you are too, because that is more important than your DNA. The way that we're raised and the things that happen
1: to us when we are children, good or bad, do affect us ongoing and then it always reaches a point where i think you do have to take risk like let's say for example someone's had and i say it in air quotes you know the bad childhood and i'm saying air quotes because you know everyone's had a not you not not <laughs> everyone fire. she's had a great childhood <laughs> But, you know, everyone's got that whole, but I had a bad childhood or he behaves that way because they he had a bad childhood or there's been difficulty. Ugh. It's actually not good enough. And I remember when I was um, in my early 20s after um, I separated and, and all that sort of stuff from that first relationship, I remember going through a period of time and my parents didn't trust me and I was a bit off the rails. And I remember one day my mum broke down and cried and said, this is all my fault. This is because of all the things that have happened. We didn't protect you. Or this is because of different things that have gone on. And she sort of brought it all back to her. And and I said to her, mum, I'm 23. No, at that point I was probably 24 even. I was like, mum, I'm 24.
0: Anything I'm doing is on me, not on you. But don't you think it's hilarious that you're not letting them take all the negative stuff, but all of the good stuff you're letting them have? Like you're a good person because your mum was a good person? Yeah. You're letting them dismiss all of the bad things but letting them take on the good.
1: I've never thought about it that way. I guess because I do think all the good parts of me are them.
0: I don't think so because they weren't bad to me. It was circumstances. Yeah, but that's that like all of these people that say, you know, like for example, Michael Jackson, he at the moment is saying... Uh, "Sorry, oh, like, I've he, watched that. that. You've watched the doco? Watched yeah, he, Insane. He fiddled all of those kids, uh, you know, allegedly. And all of those parents, like Michael a terrible person. You sent your kids to his house overnight unguarded like there has to be some point where the bad things that happen to kids in their childhood are taken responsibility of like I understand that there are circumstances Mm. where you can't see it but it's just like at some point you have to go okay well maybe some of this like if you have children take responsibility like bring them up the best people that you can be and then you can take on all of that positive stuff like I have no doubt I am the person I am today because of my upbringing. Yeah. I also am the person I am today because of my upbringing in a negative way as well. I have lots of negative things that I sometimes think that I wish I could change mm-hmm. because of the way I was brought up. Yeah. But then I wouldn't be me, would
1: I? I think with our family, we're we're lucky that we're very close. and We've gone through a lot, which has made us closer. And I mean not just recently with losing mum, but I'm talking from years before. I went, when I was 18 or 19, I sat down with my dad and had to have very difficult conversations. And he had to face some stuff because I went through really bad times when I was younger and I felt through that dad was really absent, couldn't deal with it, and mum really was trying to fix everything. We had a very strained and weird relationship until I was about 18, 19, where we could kind of meet adult to adult and I could go, hey, I know you've obviously gone through some shit in your life, but so have I, and I kind of felt like you didn't care that I did as well. And we went in over a long period of time and had all these sessions together, and Mum and I did the same, and we sort of spent a lot of years. And it, just to people that are into therapy and talking and communication, you'll be frothing on this. For those that aren't, you might be like, what is this? But for us, that's what worked, and being very clear, like to build those relationships and sort of rather than keeping that silence and let's not just talk, let's not talk about things. It was, we're going to talk about some things and everyone's going to take responsibility. So I for sure felt, certainly by the age of 24, long had my parents apologised, taken responsibility for different things and acknowledged. I think, for example, with the case of the kids in this Michael Jackson doco and their parents, I think, like those mums said, they'll live with that guilt for the rest of their life. And one of the mums even said, I'll never forgive myself. I agree with you. It was, I don't know who would leave their child with it. I don't care how big a celebrity. And I'm not sure how that happened. And I'm not trying to make excuses for them. I guess what I'm just trying to say is
0: I'm sure that they're sorry. And, you know, this time last week... Cardinal Pell got done for diddling some kids too. He's in jail for six years. I saw it. No. Like six years is like a theft charge. That's wild. Unreal.
1: You know he's only probably going to have to serve something like three in a month or something. Imagine
0: absolute nightmare that is going to occur in prison if he gets oh. led, led into like some sort of gen pop. All of the... <laughs> I have watched enough, like, <laughs> I've watched enough jail TV shows to know that he is going to get what he deserves.
1: That's what everyone's saying. So in some way, the six-year thing is so anger-inducing, but you know he is going to get messed up.
0: And I find it very interesting because I think that we're almost coming to an end here. I find it Mm. very interesting that this occurring has pulled a lot of people away from the church. That is interesting. So all of the parents of all of these people that, you know, were unfortunately involved in this horrible thing. They've said, yeah, well, if this thing can happen to my child, how would a man of God and God allow that to happen? There's going to be some conflict.
1: And you know what? Talking about parents' guilt, there's going to be a lot of parents who will feel guilty for putting their
0: children... They'll feel like they've put their children in those situations. 100%. Because the fact of the matter is they probably did. You know Mm. what I mean? Like, I don't know that any... uh, Like, as a child, when my, my parents would send... Uh, me to, what's it called, like church group on Sunday, whatever. Oh, what's that called again? Bible group? Yeah, I don't know. The kids' Sunday school. Yeah, Sunday school. (laughs) I was like, no, I don't want to go to Sunday school. I want to go play on playgrounds like normal kids. I don't want to learn about that shit. You know, like I don't know of any child that wanted to be there at that sort of age. So I don't know. I still find it so confronting. Like every part of religion just really overwhelms me and I'm intrigued and interested in any facet of it but not to the point where I'd actually ever involve myself in it.
1: You echo exactly what my sentiments are. Exactly. We've covered on some pretty heavy themes here as well in today's episode. And so I just want to pause quickly and say that if you or anyone you know is feeling unsafe or triggered in any way, that you can always reach Lifeline on 13 11 14. Anyone there will be able to help you work through anything at all. And at any time. Kyara, as we leave and wrap up now, what do you think we should leave everyone with? for the week, the thoughts, like looking back at everything we've discussed.
0: Maybe a piece of advice. Can I lead with a piece of advice? Yeah, because that's what I was going to do. Okay, so my little piece of advice, and I think I might have already mentioned it, but I have this thing that I believe about relationships and I'm a marriage celebrant and if anybody ever asked me for advice, which I'm not at all legally entitled to give, take it or leave it with a pinch of salt. <laughs> And I tell all of my friends this, whether they're starting a relationship, I believe that every relationship gets, when you start it, a certain amount of love and gets divvied up between everybody and you get the same amount of love in this relationship as I get in mine. And you can use that love all up in a really short period of time if you want to, whether that be, you know, public affection, whether that be, uh, you know, all happiness, no conversation, no compromise, just 100% love then that little bit of love doesn't go a long way. And if you don't look after it and care for it in the ways like compromising, talking things through, trying new things, doing things that they want to do, but you might not really appreciate, then you can fall out of love really quickly. So I feel like that's how love can last a lifetime. And I'm not saying that loving somebody is easy, because if it's easy, then you're probably doing it wrong. Like love is hard. You know what I mean? Relationships are tough and you have to go through all of this stuff. But if there's one piece of advice I can give, it's that maybe you're not giving enough back. Like if you're unhappy in your relationship because of no reason that we have already talked about like all of those shit things, I'm not talking mm. about that hard stuff. I'm talking about the general stuff. You're like, oh, I'm just not feeling that fucks me off. I'm not. <laughs> oh, I'm just not feeling the way I was. You know, I've lost the love. It's just like, well, where did you drop it, hon? Like where did you give up? Like, you have to give some back. And if you have been doing that and trying, then maybe it's time to let go. Like, I understand that too. But you have to give it 100% over a very long period of time, not just all at once.
1: Give it a red hot go. I would like to leave everyone with the thought of going back to what drives you or what makes you feel good and what is the thing that you need to do. If if you're feeling particularly some kind of way or stressed about life or you know you've got to make decision, whatever it is, and if you've ever felt like you're just not coping... Think about the things that do make you happy, those sort of things and actually I didn't even get to ask you this. That was a question I had for you. What was it, Clara? Was um what is it that you do to relax and feel good? And what do you enjoy to do in your downtime? I realise I don't really know that about you.
0: I do art. I live out on a property which is in the middle of nowhere where I'm not surrounded by the hustle and bustle. Heaven. So I love that. Um, the water, I think I touched on that. You know, that's something that's really important to me. My partner, we spend a lot of time together, and my, you know, my wolf pack of girls. That's beautiful. So same as what I've asked Kyara, I want to ask you, if you, what, what is it
1: that's driving you? What are the things that make you so happy and feel fulfilled in your own life Focus on those things, give them space and time, book in the time for those things because they're really important. And, yes, there's work and life and commitments and pressure that get, but, you know, you will be able to do
0: so much better at everything in life if you're happy and fulfilled. Yeah, prioritise yourself. You have to look after yourself
1: first. 1,000%. And as always, the way we like to end every episode, you do you, hon.